0: Hello and welcome to the Legal Frontiers podcast from the School of Transnational Law of Peking University. Uh, Our podcast is dedicated to research-based analysis of the interface between law and the transnational challenges of our time. My name is Stephen Minas and today I'm joined by my colleague Joy Siang. Joy is Assistant Professor at STL and has also been a fellow at the Asian Law Institute of the National University of Singapore uh, during the current academic year. Uh, Joy is an expert in intellectual property law uh, and is currently working on clean technology issues. Joy, welcome.
1: My pleasure, Stephen, thank you for the
0: invitation. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us. Um, Now, Joy, as, as I mentioned, you have been working on legal issues regarding clean tech and, um, and climate change. I'd be interested, how did you become interested in this topic?
1: This topic came to my awareness uh, while still working at Microsoft as a corporate counsel. Uh, Microsoft established a new uh, team uh, focusing on international IP policy issues. And as the inaugural head of the new team, uh, Dick Wider, he used to be a leader at WIPO. He kind of shepherded me into uh, public policy issues. And uh, during a lunch, he shared with me that uh, during the Global negotiation about climate change at UN, the COPs of UNFCCC, uh, there is a gridlock. The gridlock uh, was between some developed countries and some developing countries. Uh, one side insisted on uh, removing or weakening patent protection on clean technologies. And uh, most of the developed countries uh, were insisting on that uh, pattern was good for clean tech development and uh, deployment. So there was a gridlock cost and a at the COPS negotiation. Uh, So I got curious about this great luck. Therefore, I started researching on IP, climate change, clean tech.
0: And it's interesting that you had a colleague who had been in the the World Intellectual Property Organization, but was now with you in the corporate sector, because these UN negotiations, uh, at least of years ago, were a bit out of sight, out of mind for much of the corporate sector. But of course... Having somebody uh, with awareness of these questions um, does does bring it to front of mind. Uh, now, your your research has concerned intellectual property, IP, and and clean technologies. Uh, there are a number of different terms, but what do you mean when you refer to clean technologies or clean tech? So, to me, clean
1: technology. Is any technology that is uh, beneficial to the environment or that is not harmful to the environment? Uh, so concretely speaking, um, even uh, mechanic engineering engineering devices that uh, is improving the farming technology in addressing climate change. Um, or information technology that helps to manage the electricity infrastructures, or biotech engineering that help to improve uh, the the crop seeds that help the crops to be uh, more flood resistant or salt resistant. Um, So clean tech covers a diverse uh, and diverse areas of different technologies.
0: And when we talk about the innovation of new technologies, the deployment of current technologies, we see that there is often a set of different roles for uh, public sector actors, the private sector, uh, the research uh, sector. Uh, What have you found in your research on cleantech as to how the different sectors um, contribute to this work? My view
1: currently is essentially numberless. So, for example, according to a report from the UN Environmental uh, Environment Program, uh, it says about seventy percent of the uh, investment in clean technology, especially clean energy technology, uh, came from the private sector, and uh, thirty percent of the investment comes from uh, government okay um so to me uh that means the function of the private sector is very important um therefore uh, mechanisms that will incentivize private sectors investment in clean tech uh, should be you know should be supported and uh, paid attention to. IP being one of such mechanisms therefore uh, became a study point for me uh, in exploring how to uh, incentivize clean tech development
0: and deployment. Yes and the mechanism of IP rights, intellectual property rights, is in my view not particularly well understood outside of the people who are experts in this field. So uh, what, it's, I suppose, rather invisi- invidious to simplify in this way, but what basically are IP rights and, and why are they so important to technology development and transfer? So IP rights, broadly
1: speaking, it's about uh national different jurisdictions providing legal protection to the creation of ideas, uh, new ideas, creative works. So that is uh, a broad definition. So regarding to um, clean tech innovation, different uh, IP laws, for example, patent laws, Trade secret laws, trademark laws, and copyright laws, uh, they all play a role uh, in incentivizing the innovation and the creative work concerning clean tech. But in particular, um, patent law and trade secret law uh, are of most important when we talk about stimulating clean tech development and uh, de- deployment. So patent law is about uh, promoting the advancement of uh, technological uh, arts, okay. And trade secret is about protecting confidential business intelligence. Um, both of them um, play important role in uh, encouraging inventors to invest in research development on clean tech. Also, say um, are fundamental legal currencies in facilitating the transaction, the transfer of clean technologies.
0: Yes, and, and one of the most important features of these IP rights is that they are based on a particular territory, they're bound to the rules of a particular country. Uh, so how does that determine the, uh, the role of governance, governments, I should say, uh, in protecting IP rights? And how does that, I suppose, limit the ability of uh, international institutions in this field?
1: So IP rights fundamentally being um, a territory you know, based the territorial principle, meaning that a right issued by um, a jurisdiction, for example, the Chinese government, is limited by the uh, the governance boundary of the ch- the jurisdiction. That means if an inventor has a Chinese patent on a piece of technology then the inventor can enforce the patent right inside China. However, if a foreign inventor chooses not to apply for patent protection in China, then that piece of technology can be used freely inside China. So the relevancy of the territorial principle in uh, international deployment, global deployment of clean tech is that at least currently, most of the uh, key clean technologies um, are developed or owned by entities, multinational companies in developed countries. Okay, The so figures we have had indicate at least 80 to 90 percent of key clean technologies the patent ownership are in developed countries okay so remaining 20 percent at least 19 percent of these are owned by emerging economies Uh, less than one percent is dispersed among 130 plus remaining countries so this suggests that when we talk about clean tech access to clean technologies patent right likely has not been a major block for access because most of the key clean tech according to the empirical data are not patent protected protected in most of developing countries. So that is the implication of the territorial reality of IP protection, patent protection, clean tech. Of course, this kind of situation will change. Emerging economies such as India, China, Brazil, Uh, they have been increasing their patent filing in clean tech. Uh, The speed is drastic, okay. Uh, According to one study uh, in in the past 10 years, you know, these emerging economies' uh, patent filing speed in specific clean tech areas have been, you know, increased uh, more than 100 percent. So that indicates uh, the picture I just described to you, the disparity of pattern ownership is changing, at least uh, concerning emerging economies.
0: I think this is one of the most interesting developments currently, uh, the, the changing role of the major emerging economies. And one of the forms of cooperation which is enabled by that is is south south cooperation yeah. you, you have you have um, written about south south cooperation what does this entail and, and do you see this as a potentially important contribution to international clean tech cooperation
1: yes I think it is a significant development uh, as both you and I know the a um, the major theme of clean tech transfer deployment uh, has been focused on um, transferring technology from developed countries to developing countries. The a North source collaboration. Um, so now more and more, we are talking about source to source cooperation. And we have this uh, triangular cooperation means North a North a country, a developed country, involves uh, international agencies such as, you know, a, a UN agency, and then collaborate with a developing countries in transferring technology, or a developed countries collaborate with an emerging economy, and the emerging economies and. Um, transfer technology further down to, for example, a less developed country. Uh, such kind of collaboration path or technology transfer paths uh, has coming onto the stage, even it has not become the mainstream, but it is encouraging to say uh, the reason being that uh, emerging economies could have more understanding about the situation that a less developed country is facing, um, therefore may have a better uh, dialogue with the less developed country. Um, So this kind of tiered tiered collaboration, I think probably makes more sense in diffusing clean tech downstream, yes.
0: Certainly there is there is a contribution to be made. And, and it's like you say, the transfer of technology often requires that technology to be adapted to the local conditions uh, for it to be of any use. Uh, so if you do have countries dealing as between themselves or cooperating between themselves who are in similar circumstances, uh, whether those are physical circumstances or developmental circumstances, then that that uh, is surely uh, something of advantage. Um, now, you, you do make some proposals on how to take uh, clean tech cooperation forward. But before turning to those, uh, I want to look at another aspect of your research. Uh, you have studied a number of existing treaty regimes, international agreements, uh, for their impact on what you refer to as voluntary clean technology transfer. Uh, and you have, I think it's fair to say, a, a mixed opinion of the results under these different treaties. So perhaps you could say something about that.
1: So as, at the beginning of our, our conversation, I mentioned that there is, is this tension between you know, two views, IT's function um, in clean tech deployment transfer, the developing countries' point of view is that um, IP has been a major roadblock to wide, uh, broad clean tech deployment is not new. Uh, it it has been ongoing ever since the. For example, the establishment of the WTO-TRIPS agreement. The
0: the TRIPS agreement being the agreement on trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights, just for those who are not familiar.
1: Yes, exactly. So this kind tension, conflict uh, has not been new in the... uh, UNFCCC, okay, the United Nations Framework uh, for Climate Change Convention. We have installed several mechanisms, uh, try to address uh, this impression that IP uh, is a roadblock need to be overcome. Um, so, for example. Um, in the UNFCCC, uh, we have the technology mechanism being established that uh, is trying to facilitate developing countries' technology needs in addressing climate change. And uh, also, we have this uh, joint development mechanism. Uh, I think that is under the Kyoto Protocol.
0: Yes, the Clean Development Mechanism, the CDM.
1: Yes. So in these mechanisms um, that are designed to facilitate the necessary transfer of clean tech from developed countries to developing countries. We, however, um, empirical studies, I can only see empirical studies so far have found that when you really look into the needs that identified by developing countries in access to clean tech, the data coming from them actually have not been emphasizing that IT is one of the major roadblocks. So in, uh, in the UNFCCC, uh, support mechanism we have the technology need assessment program so so far i think at least about 90 countries uh, 90 developing countries have leveraged um, this mechanism to identify the challenges uh, they face in accessing uh, clean tech and uh, IP is not uh, being identified as a major issue. Okay. However, um, I remember as a major issue being identified uh, about a lack of financial resource, the need a help in uh, building up basic infrastructures. Um, so, to me. Um, such data indicates that IP likely isn't an issue, uh, otherwise people would not be constantly um, bring it up in the global negotiation. However, it probably should not be the over-determining issue, it should not be a major roadblock, um, so that is my understanding of the uh, data coming from UNFCCC. And under the TRIPS agreement, uh, there are mechanisms, flexibility mechanisms being put in um, that try to ensure um, developed countries provide financial and technology support to at least the least developed countries, the LDCs. Uh, one thing good about the mechanisms set up under the WTO system is that um, unlike the mechanisms in UN FCC, the WTO mechanisms in support of technology transfer may have, you know, the benefit of the enforcement mechanisms are set up on the WTO, uh, where if developed countries fail to um, implement their obligation to provide financial and technical support for least developed countries, uh, then um, WTO may have certain uh, Power to um, to push developed countries to further their effort in as- this aspect. Um, so, in some in some sense, in some discussions, um, there have been talking about installing in the WTO system a way of uh, further. Uh, pushing developed countries to transfer clean tech to developing countries. So that discussion, uh, that proposal is being brought up. However, I think further effort need to be made probably to coordinate the discussion going on uh, in the WTO TRIPS forum with the effort that the UN FCCC, mechanisms such as the technology mechanism is making. So if there is a linkage, then um, linking technology transfer with uh, international trade mechanisms, maybe there's uh, some progress uh, can be made in uh, addressing the disparity for technology ownership between developed and developing countries.
0: I suppose the WTO as a system is, is confronting very significant challenges at the moment, uh, also in respect of its ability or the ability of parties to enforce uh, WTO agreements uh, through dispute resolution. Uh, so it, it will be very interesting to see what happens with the WTO. But, but one area of, of linkage, as you say, between the, the UN climate system and uh, intellectual property processes has been WIPO Green and the the active participation of WIPO Green as an observer in in various UN climate technology processes. Uh, And in the various approaches to clean tech cooperation that you consider, and also in your own proposals, uh, you do identify a role uh, for WIPO Green. Uh, so I wonder if you could say a bit about what WIPO Green is a- and also speak about your own proposals uh, on the basis of your research uh, for how to strengthen international cleantech collaboration. Yes, I'll
1: be happy to. Um, so WIPO Green essentially is an online marketplace where cleantech tech clean technology owners or solution providers, uh, they they can put a post on there indicating what kind of clean tech uh, service they can provide or clean tech products they can provide. On the other side, um, those parties who are seeking clean tech solutions, they they can put a post up on there uh, displaying their needs and request for help. Then, being in the marketplace, the solution provider, the solution seeker, um, they can form a transaction, and uh, um, it's a voluntary um, transaction. Okay. Uh, the reason I look at why Paul Green is because. I have studied uh, multiple programs where clean tech IP owners commit their clean tech IP asset uh, for public use. And uh, such commitments are made um, based on um, corporate responsibility considerations. Okay, it's out of philanthropy
0: so, so it's a voluntary process that is to say
1: it is a voluntary process however um, it essentially suggests that the clean tech patent owner would, would donate the patent so it's not based on a profit profit seeking mode the patents being donated um out of the patent owners' goodwill. Other parties can use the patent. Uh, However, because it's based on philanthropy motivations uh, out of corporate responsibility uh, uh, considerations, in reality, most of the patents being pledged, donated, uh, Low-hanging fruits; they are of low technical value, and because it's out of the patent owner's own initiative, these technologies may not be what those who are seeking clean tax solution may not address the market need. So very soon, usually within two to three years, these um, these patent uh, pledge, patent donation platforms. Uh, wrapped up, it closed up. So then I turned my eyes to WIPO Green. Okay, WIPO being, being the agency providing this kind of platform, it does not um, require the solution providers to donate their IP. Uh, it basically provide a platform, a market platform offering the supplier and the customer to know each other. I thought that is a platform can um, provide what I was coined as mutually beneficial clean tech deployment, where the solution provider um, has the opportunity to ask for uh, what is deemed as a reasonable market value for the technology. And uh, the solution seeker uh, can identify the proper technologies that actually address the needs there. So, because of that, um, I suggest we look further at WIPO Green. And indeed, um, since its establishment, Wipo Green uh, has survived, unlike the previous patent sharing uh, patent pledge uh, platforms, WIPO Green has survived and is prospering. To date, it has accomplished about more than 3,000 transactions between clean tech solution providers and clean tech seekers. Um, so I consider we can uh, strengthen platforms as such so that uh, solution providers clean tech solution providers and uh, solution seekers uh, they have uh, a space to explore uh, each other's needs and interests and uh, uh, form voluntary transactions that uh, will facilitate facilitate global deployment of clean tech given that WIPO Green is a global platform.
0: And what would your proposal be for how to how to strengthen this process?
1: So my proposal is um, first of all um, provide good financial support to the WIPO Green um, platform so that it, it is able to strengthen the platform. Therefore, the clean tech, at least the clean tech solution seekers, they are being supported in negotiating uh, a voluntary license with the clean tech solution providers. They are being supported, being empowered in knowing how to address IP issues encountered in the transaction, and also being empowered in how to adapt technologies to their local conditions. And also for clean tech solution seekers from less developed countries, sufficient financial support to WIPO green um, will help them to, to purchase the clean tech solutions that they, they really need. So you would have a question about how you know, WIPO Green is going to get the financial support. Uh, so w- there's several proposals floating around. I think one way to do it is uh, for WIPO Green to charge fees, for example, for, for the clean tech solution providers to use the platform. Other possible ways is that countries benefiting, you know, countries hosting the clean tech solution providers um, will consider to increase their funding of Y-Pol Green. Um, so these a couple of thoughts floating around.
0: Well, it's a very interesting proposal, uh, Joy, and, and those who wish to learn more will be able to find your research in the uh, Georgetown Environmental Law Review, a recent issue. Um, I wanted to ask you a, a couple of quick final questions on these topics, if I may. Uh, the potential impact of the Paris Agreement on international technology cooperation. The Paris Agreement will be five years old uh, this December. Uh, it has been a very interesting five years in many ways. Uh, What do you see as the potential contribution of the Paris Agreement in this field?
1: So my um, reading of Paris Agreement is that um, instead of being uh, entangled in the discussion of whether IT facilitates clean tech development and uh, transfer, uh, it moved its focus, its focus to clean tech development and deployment, and it moved its emphasis on to innovation. It moved uh, more, talked more about uh, innovation, uh, encouraging innovation, promoting innovation in clean technologies. So that, I felt, is a positive uh, development from prior UNFCCC mechanisms. The encouragement, the emphasis on collaboration between the UNFCCC financial mechanisms and the technology development, deployment mechanisms. I think that is also a positive development for that is provided by Paris Agreement.
0: And a final thought on the topic that we're all uh, dealing with these days, uh, the pandemic. What, what potential impact do you think that the current pandemic uh, will have on, on the one hand, the continued development and deployment of clean technology, uh, but on the other hand, the potential role of, of clean tech in the post-pandemic economic recovery?
1: So the the pandemic event, the recent pandemic event, essentially illustrates the difference between uh, the global community's response um, against global health, global public health events versus the global community's sense of urgency toward addressing climate change. So, many countries, okay, especially the private sectors uh, in some developed countries, um, do not feel that climate change is an imminent issue, is an urgent issue, because it's yet to touch their personal lives, okay. So, therefore, um, we have so much resistance or lack of sufficient progress in making headways in combating climate change. The so COVID 19 um, situation shows that the global community actually can, can t- come together quickly. respond to a global issue. Okay, so for example, uh, WIPO already set up a a platform called COVID-19 Technology Access Pool where uh, it's calling shareholders to to share COVID-19 related technology IP data. It's a call for action. Um, And uh, inside different countries, for example, in the U.S., there is a corresponding COVID-19 technology access framework where um, key universities have responded to, to share their IP for Addressing COVID 19. Um, So, these IP mechanisms will provide rapid, executable, non exclusive, free licenses to COVID 19 um, IP assets. Um, So, this such quick response uh, shows me that. The global community has enormous potential and agility in responding to global issues. Uh, it also shows to me that climate change, um, when it really gets serious, uh, we probably, you know, will respond syn-wise. Um, the situation for climate change is that. Uh, it's not as severe or imminent threatening as public, a public health pandemic. So that's the uh, dilemma we are facing. But I, I just feel that the example set up by uh, our response to COVID-19 um, gives us some road models, some templates for our potential response to a threatening climate change situation.
0: And it is also a key, uh, a key moment for the climate response, even in the midst of this uh, terrible pandemic. There's a new note out from the International Energy Agency, for example, which says that global CO2 emissions are expected to go down by 8% this year, back to the level of 10 years ago. Uh, yes. but, the, but the IEA also says in the same note that after previous economic crises, the rebound of emissions has gone up to a higher level than before. Uh, so it is a sobering um, moment. It, it's certainly, from a climate perspective, no cause for celebration. Um, but, but it is the framework in which we have to uh, deal with, the framework in which we find ourselves, uh, and, and indeed, the challenge is to build back better. Joy, a, a final question on, it, on a different point. I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about your current research and your current uh, teaching at the School of Transnational Law.
1: So my current uh, teaching at STL uh, covers the discussion on international IT regimes, such as um, the different international IT treaties. Um, concerning patent, copyright, trade secret, and um, tr- trademarks, the so international IP institutions. I also teach um, the US IP system. You know, US um, being one of the most um, liberal or progressive uh, IP regime uh, we have globally. Uh, So I discuss uh, its evolving approach toward IP subject matters. Um, I also um, focus on um, how to manage and develop uh, intellectual IP assets. Okay, so that's my teaching. And my current research, um, you know, continuing on the discussion on how to um, Encourage clean tech innovation and global collaboration, I'm looking at uh, how to leverage competition laws, uh, so to uh, balance patent enforcement, IP enforcement, uh, therefore consequently um, to improve technology transfer, technology access.
0: Well, these are, these are key legal, uh, legal technologies uh, in the area of clean tech, but also in so many other areas. And I'm always struck by how many of our students want to become IP lawyers. So that's, uh, I think, encouraging from, from that perspective. Uh, Joyce Yang, thank you very much for this interview. My pleasure.
1: Thank you,
0: Stephen. And thank you very much for joining us. Until next time, take care.